Somebody, when I came in, said, how are things going with the confirmation hearing? So let me kind of give you just an overview of where we are generally and try to answer some of the questions. Uh, and uh, Meg Hauk wanted to know about health care. And I guess there's still meetings in one committee, so we don't know exactly where they are. The, it's, I mean, it's a fascinating time in Washington for so many ways. And, and Maria, you know, you think about all the things that we know for sure about politics. It's all been thrown out the, out the door the last year and a half, and when you think about what the, what the, yeah, what the RNC had come up with four years after Mitt Romney lost, and we did the, the autopsy, and I'm a doctor, I know about autopsies, and they said our problem is as a party, we're too old, too white, and, uh, and uh, too male, and needed and more, needed so to be more, more, more uh, respectful, positive, inclusive, and things. And so now we have the election, and it's a new time in Washington. It kind of went against a lot of the things that we thought how the rules of the game would, would work. The um, and it does, there almost seem to be pitch battles going on around the country as we try to get things done. Just in terms of confirmation, I mean, we're in the personnel business in the Senate. We have 100, well, 1,100 different people need to be confirmed. So far, we've confirmed 17. We'll get to number 18 today. Every one of them has been dragged out to use the full 30 hours that, that they can do on every nominee, and that's what slows it down. So you basically can do four a week, and nothing else in between. If you go 30 hours, 30 hours, 30 hours, if you drag on, you go all night. And we had done that a couple of times because uh, the Democrats don't even want the time to run if you're out of session. So you can get four a week, which means you can't do anything else. We have great opportunity to do things legislatively, but also just with the Congressional Review Act. We've used it four or five times. We're going to continue to use it to peel back some of the midnight regulations that have come out at the end of the Obama administration. And, the, and the, you can kind of reach back all the way through the summer. And we're continuing to do those. But you can't put them. They all get 10 hours of debate. They can't be pulled together. So there's a limit in how many things you can do, and anything that the Democrats can do to slow things down uh, can prevent us to get to all the Congressional Review Acts we'd like to get to, given the fact that we have up until about May 9th, which is 60 legislative days to get done. Uh, on top of that, you have the Supreme Court nominee. The, uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the, the outcome of the election in November was the fact that uh, Mitch McConnell had the, the vision and the foresight as well as the, the firm backbone to say we're going to keep this seat open until we have a new president and let the American people decide who's going to be nominated to Supreme Court. Neil Gorsuch uh, has a long history, Jim, in Wyoming. Uh, even before statehood, his uh, great-grandfather built the Wolf Hotel in Saratoga, Wyoming, which is still there today. Uh, and we're going to we're going to get him confirmed before we break for Easter. If we break for Easter before or after Easter, I can't tell you that. But we are going to get him confirmed before we break for Easter. Uh, and then there's the whole issue of the of the health care uh, component of the, this. What the House is doing now, working on. The, the health care bill, they've come out with a proposal that is being attacked equally by the, from both sides. You, you, you all have been here around here long enough to know that there's the policy. Uh, and Allie over here is our health care policy guru. We know what the policy ought to be. But then there's the politics of what you can get done and what you can't get done. And as Ronald Reagan said, I'd rather have 80% of what I can get then go over the, the cliff with the flag flying and get nothing. So we want to get what we can. Could, could this be better? Yeah, could we have better policy? Yeah, the politics aren't going to allow it. Uh, and then we're also stymied with the procedural components of this. 
President Obama came to the Hill before he left office in the last weeks and said, don't work with the Republicans on health care at all. And, you know, they've lost, the Democrats have lost elections in 2010, 2014, 2016. We've got the House, we've got the Senate, we've got the White House, basically because of Obamacare and the impact it's had on American families. So he said, hey, let them own it. We don't want anything to do, do not help them. But, you know, when you're facing that, you have to deal with the fact that there are only so many things you can do procedurally with reconciliation that we could do with 51 votes, but it has to be, you've been part of those battles before, that there's only so much you can do again with 51 votes, which means if we only have 52, that doesn't give you a lot of margin for error. And um, as, as Mitch McConnell said at lunch yesterday about it, he looked around, because there's some people that, you know, run to the microphones whenever they want to go attacking Republicans. He said, you know, I'm glad that only one of you is actually raising money off of the rest of us right now on health care. So, you know, I mean, it's always worrisome when people decide they're not part of the team and they want to play outside the line. And they might be completely right on policy. But when you take a look at the policy, the politics, as well as the limits that we have uh, with regard to the process on the Hill, you know, that's why I'm supporting what they're doing in the House. Could it be better? Absolutely. I want to get that to the Senate and get it to the President, because finally, we have a President that can sign something into law. And unlike most of you here who have been here through Republican and Democrat, and in some cases even the Whig Party, I think. <laughs> the majority of the members of the House and the majority of, of the Republicans in the House and the majority of the members of the Republicans in the Senate have never actually served with a president who could sign from their own party, of our own party, who could sign something into law. So it's almost a re-education to get to a point where you realize, hey, we can actually govern and we get something to the president's desk, he will sign it, as opposed to the things we put on a desk before the President Obama vetoed. So it's a different time. We're kind of trying to relearn the lessons of attack and get to the lessons of govern. And you can either govern or grandstand, and I'm in the category that I want to be able to govern and get things done and move the country in the right direction. So Jim, I'm happy to answer questions. I'm happy to talk longer. We didn't get to the infrastructure that I know Paul wants to. Uh, get to there are a couple articles in the paper today about it. One in the Wall Street Journal, one in the New York Times, and I think also one in the, in the Washington Post. But it says, yeah, big plans. How are we going to pay for it? Not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Beverly Marshall, you did such a great job in, in your abbreviated intro. You can get, do either the first or the last question. I'll, I'll use my time now and just say, what is your uh, thought about the prospects for well, that's, that's the next stop. You know, the Secretary of Treasury said we're going to get it done by some by the end of summer. We're committed to that. First, you have to get through. There, there are a lot of, this is like running the high hurdles in track in high school. There are a lot of hurdles we have to get over before you can get that. We need to get the Supreme Court. We need to get, we need to get another budget for the reconciliation part two. We need to get um, health care done. We need to keep the government open. With, uh, with the continuing resolution rule. So there are a lot of <coughs> hurdles to get through. I'm optimistic we're going to get through them. We're going to get to tax reform. There's debates, as you know. Uh, people all agree, and Tom Perdue had a pre uh, David Perdue had a very good article uh, about that where he talked about, hey, we all agree get the rates down. We all agree bring back money from overseas. We all agree simplify it. And then there's the discussion uh, about the border adjustment tax. 
which uh, I know the, the, the speaker is pushing for, and Lindsey Graham was on Meet the Press the following day and said, there ain't 10 senators to vote for that thing. So, um, <laughs> maybe just said it with a little more accent than that. But he, uh, that's what it sounded like he said. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm confident. We have a once, in a once in a career opportunity to do the sorts of things that need to be done. And, uh, you know, we always talk about entitlement reform with healthcare, what we could do with Medicaid is really, Medicaid's been there 50 years. It's never been really updated or never improved. It's a failing program. Half of the, over half of the people that have been, that Obama counts as, and the Democrats counts people on covered, over half of them got it on Medicaid. And over half of them were actually eligible for Medicaid before they did the expansion. Now that's not me saying over half of them were eligible. That's Jonathan Gruber, the guy who was the, talked about manipulating the public into passing the health care law. So it's, it's, this is an opportunity that we have. We need to do all these things because we may not get this opportunity uh, again. Allison. Um, you mentioned nominations. Uh, <coughs> and those of us in the, in the audience who are in the energy world, the trade press got us all riled up yesterday about FERC nominations. Yeah. Neil was mentioned in another. Yeah. The, uh, and I thought they were coming, but they didn't come yesterday. Right. I talked to, I talked to uh, Secretary Zinke <coughs> yesterday. And he has a team. Whose names are being, whose names are at the White House? We're waiting on the White House to do these sorts of things and come out with names. We talked to Vice President uh, Pence. He was at our policy lunch. A number of us said, "Hey, we need names." Why are they? Oh, he said, "Very soon." And I believe him, but I wish it were sooner than later. And we need a lot. You know, you need to keep, you get these, and, and, and the positions need to be filled. You know, Tom Price is at HHS. We're going to get uh, his. Uh, the head of uh, for Medicare, Medicaid, she'll get confirmed. <coughs> but a lot of these are home alone in that sense. I know Zinke feels that way. EPA, we're seeing that with Scott Stewart. Whoever I talk to is in the same situation. And I know the president has said, well, maybe we should keep some positions open. But my thoughts have always been, you can keep lower level bureaucratic positions open, but you need your political people in there to ride herd. It's a Western thing, right? Heard <laughs> over what the bureaucrats are doing, because you have so many people that have been hired by the last administration who have a mindset that may be very different than ours, and is very different than ours. And if you let them have free reign, you're not getting done what you want to do and what you were elected to do. So you have a responsibility, I think, to get these out faster. Scott Salmon, last question. I just want to follow up on the. Thanks, Jim. I want to follow up on the nominations question. Do you think that the this stall use all 30 hours, um, that's going to stick around for the lower level once the names start coming up? Well, that's, I think that's a very good question. And, uh, you know, the best phrase I've heard was from McConnell. He, he says, we have to see how long it takes for the fever to break. That this, when you take a look at people outside Dianne Feinstein's home in California with signs, that say, resist or retire. You know, there is still this sense out there of this resistant movement who wants resistance at every level. There was a story that yesterday in the New York Times you may have seen about Gorsuch and the, the liberal group saying, any Democrat who votes for Gorsuch for the Supreme Court, we will primary. So they're, they, I mean, they're having significant divisions of the, with, between the Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, wing of the party, 
it says the path to victory is going further to the left, and the more centrist wing who is saying this is ridiculous, you know, this is good man, couldn't find a better person to be on the Supreme Court. So they want to resist at every level, and, you know, even just talking to uh, Democrat senators in the gym and, and around, as they say, around campus on days with, with the Scott Pruitt nominee in the vote, we waited till Friday afternoon to vote, all 30 hours had to be expanded. And uh, one of them says, can we go home tonight? I said, well, yeah, yield back the time. We're ready to go. This was Thursday night. We're re he said, like, I know how this is going to turn out. But if we don't make all 30 hours get burned, then we won't be considered resisting enough, and they'll be held to pay at home. So there's this group of resistors, which is about, seems about 35% of the electorate, who want to resist everything, slow down everything. You know, at some point you'd say, when do you go to, when did one turn and this is like a question I don't come up with, but you guys do. Well, when do you do the recess appointments? And that's a, and it's a legitimate question because you cannot, if you do the math, get people come for thir it takes 30 hours for each one if they try to do that for 1,100. You know, I'd rather do what you just said, you know, come up with a list of unanimous consent on a whole bunch of these additional uh, people. That's my goal. But if they don't let it happen, you may go to recess appointments, but that's, you know, you would like to at least recess appointments with somebody if they've already had the hearing, if you've been through, and they've been waiting to get the vote and delayed, but until we actually get the names and make the, and, and make the decisions and have the hearings and get them out of committee, I think it's premature to do that. Uh, and ultimately, you know, it's not that good of a deal, a recess appointment, because it only gets you until the, the end of the next year. Because you don't get a recess appointment for the entire term of the president, it only goes for the this year and then to the next. Senator, is the mood in the Senate pretty good with, with, your, with your conference in terms of uh, feeling that you are really going to get through all of this? I mean, from tax reform to health care to infrastructure to all these, uh, you know, nominations, do you feel like the I'm optimistic about it. You know, we know failure is not an option. We're going to get this done. We're going to work through the, through the process. We're planning to get it done. If it means nights, weekends, I'm ready and willing to do it. And, you know, you, know, you just need to make sure you have enough people lined up because we have 52 and you need... 50 and the vice president to break the tie. I think you have to do it in a lot of things. You know, some things keeping the government open, you need 60. There are certain things that you need 60, and sometimes we have to move. We're going to ultimately have to move from everything being a shirts versus a skins game to you know, getting others to, to work with us on things to get to the 60 votes that you need. We so very much appreciate your time this morning. I know time is not your friend. Uh, so. We're going to cut this short because, I, uh, as a matter of fact, your staff said, Jim. <laughs> but with our thanks, you have one of the greatest all-time national parks, the Grand Teton National Park. So with our thanks, the new book that is out on the national parks for all those wonderful Wyomingites that are coming out to visit you. So before they come in to see you, they can look at this. With our thanks and all the best. You know, he has a secret weapon, and it's his wife, Bobby. I mean, to know how nice he is, she is one of the best reasons for cloning. So please tell us. <laughs> they worked together on Capitol Hill many years ago when she worked for Malcolm Wallop. And uh, Malcolm is gone. Al Simpson is still alive, well, kicking and called me two nights ago. Did you need some friendly advice? <laughs> <laughs> he and Anne, I mean, they're just wonderful. They're just wonderful people. They had their 60th wedding anniversary. Bobby and I were there. and. Anne stands there so stately, and Al said, 
We've had a wonderful marriage for me, and it's been a religious experience. <laughs> People all in the, in, the, in the backyard. A living hell. And <laughs> <laughs> man, man just stands there, and looking so saintly, and me, I'd still like to play a little grab ass in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting me have it. Thank you. <laughs>